the fires of God's judgment have burned at the cross. May we step into that circle and count on Jesus Christ. May we long for the work that he has done on the cross. You know, we're in a series here where we're talking about the greatness of Jesus Christ. We're talking about the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. In this series, as we're walking through, we've been walking through the book of Revelation. We're in chapters 20, 21, and 22. And in these last three chapters, we're talking about Jesus Christ making all things new. We're talking about him converting everything over to new in a whole different kind. And uh, last week we looked at the millennial kingdom, the thousand years that's to come, right? There's the whole church age we're in. There's gonna be a final seven years, seven seals, seven trumpets, seven bulls, then Christ comes. When he comes, a thousand years of the millennial kingdom, him reigning on earth, all of us as believers, being able to have glorified body with our perfected soul, ruling along with him in this kingdom. And at the end of the thousand years, that's what we're going to be looking at today. Christ brings it all to a close. As we end up looking at how he's going to deal with the end of the millennial kingdom and walking us into the new heaven and new earth for eternity with Jesus Christ. All right? That said, today is a lot about what happens to those who wouldn't trust in Jesus Christ. Today is about those who refuse to lean on Jesus Christ. And it's a sobering, sobering moment. So turn with me, if you will, to Revelation chapter 20, starting in verse 11. Revelation 20, starting in verse 11. As we talk about Jesus, the one who is the Alpha and Omega, the one who is taking us from an Eden in the beginning to an Eden in the end. Don't worry, those aren't notes I need. I have no idea what that was. All right. And, uh, So as we get going here, point number one, a final judgment will judge all unbelievers for coming up short of God's glory. A final judgment will judge all unbelievers for coming up short of God's glory. Starting in verse 11 here, he says, then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. From his presence, earth and sky fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. He says, then I saw. This is a phrase that we see over and over in Revelation, especially 19 and 20, but and I saw, or then I saw. It's the same words in the Greek. It's a connecting word. It's like the next part of the vision that he was seeing. All right? So he's like, then I saw. So after the thousand years, after Satan is defeated and thrown into the lake of fire, that's where we're picking it up now. You've gone through the church age. You've gone through the seven years. We've gone through the thousand years with Jesus Christ and the peace and the rest and the calm and us having a privilege to reign alongside of him. Now at the end of the thousand years, Satan defeated, thrown into the lake of fire, and we pick it up. It says, then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. Let's just break it down. A great white throne. Like there is none like it. This is absolutely the biggest, the most important throne ever, period. The great white throne. None like it. White. Absolutely holy and righteous. 
This is representing the character of God. He makes no errors. Every decision made without error in absolute perfection, stunning righteousness, great white throne. He is ruling. He is judging. He is sitting over and in charge. It says, and him who was seated on it. We'll hold right there for a minute. And uh, I'll just say, this is Jesus Christ most likely seated on it. We don't have the name here, but I'll read another verse to you. John chapter 5, verse 22. You may want to write this down. John 5, verse 22. It says, for the father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the son. Okay, John 5, 22, making it pretty clear, this is Jesus Christ sitting on this throne, which would actually be fitting if you think about it. Jesus is the one who speaks and this world exists. He is that creator. We see that in Colossians 1. Jesus is the one who's in charge of the physical creation. Jesus being in charge ends up coming down as the sacrificing one. Him for me. Jesus Christ dying on the cross and rising, him taking that responsibility, God the Father's will over it all, God the Son being kind of directly connected with all of what's going on. So when he gets to the end, the judgment that's going to take place here is going to be from him. Him seated on the throne. And this is his authority and his power. Jesus Christ, absolutely perfect. It says, from his presence, earth and sky fled away, and no place was found for them. From his presence, earth and sky fled away. And there's a lot of talk about what this means. And, you know, for sure what we're seeing here, earth and sky, like these are physical, inanimate object type things, right? And them fleeing away as if they sort of have human thought kind of running away in that regard. And, and so it's probably not that, right? Just using our plain sense read, probably what's going on here is a bit of a description of the authority of God over a broken world. And there is this broken world that is going to be dealt with. And man, the sin of this world, it has washed on from human sin into all that's going on around it. There was a collapse of this place. And this whole world before the precious, perfect, almighty God will absolutely be under change. Now, some will say this fleeing is going away completely, like a complete destruction of the earth and the heavens and all the rest to be able to become new. And, and there's that possibility. I will say, we'll talk more about the word new next week. There's also a good possibility this is more about a complete rehab, a complete over redoing of, a restoring of. And it could be that too, all right? And we'll talk more about that next week. But here you definitely have a, um, the authority of Christ standing over earth and sky. And the sin and the brokenness will not be maintained. It will change. And so there's some level of fleeing pictured here. And it says, and no place was found for them. In other words, they're not going to be able to maintain as it is. Sinful, broken, even the earth and the sky are done, man. It's changing. You can see the role of this judgment is going to be to clear up all sin forever. And then he says, and I saw, this by the way is that exact same phrase, then I saw, and I saw, that same connecting. So here now he sees the next piece. It says, the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. The dead, this is all unbelievers now of all time 
being kind of resurrected up and prepped to stand before him. All unbelievers. Why am I saying that? Well, if you remember at the start of the thousand years, that's when all believers are raised up, glorified body. We're given thrones of various levels and responsibilities. We're kind of there to help Christ rule, not that he needs any help, but he's giving us a little chance to assist. I always say it this way, but a lot like, you know, when we go in the backyard to work in the garden and you have your two-year-old help out, like we're going to be giving that kind of help. You know what I mean? Not needed. Really great that you're learning along the way. Here we go, right? We're going to be there and we're going to be helping out and Christ is going to be allowing us to be a part of it as we continue forward. But that's the front end of the thousand. All believers who have ever died or been raptured will be glorified up and we will be helping rule with Christ like two-year-olds in the garden, right? And Christ has it in hand. And uh, so as we go forward through the whole thousand years, now we get to the end of the thousand years and now it's talking about the dead. Well, the only dead who haven't been resurrected are all the unbelievers. So all of those who have stood against Christ, all of those who have refused over their whole lifespan to say, I will not trust in Jesus. I will not admit I'm a sinner. I will not believe that he is risen. I will not say, okay, Lord, you're in charge. I will not. I want what I want, and I won't listen. And those are scary moments. And all of those, great and small, like it doesn't matter how much authority they had, kings, rulers, all the way down to the smallest of helpers and servants, it doesn't matter what their authority is. They sit under the authority of the King of Kings, Jesus Christ himself. He is King of Kings. Everybody say he's King of Kings. Man, don't miss the authority of Jesus. I don't care how big this person is in the world, under Jesus by far. May God get all the glory. It says, and I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. They will give account. Each and every one will give account before Jesus, period. And so all these unbelievers standing before him and uh, getting ready to go after it. It says, and books were opened. And we're going to see in a little bit about these books. They record all the works that have ever been done. Now, it could be that these are actual, real, physical books, one might argue, well, then where are they all stored? How is it all written? And maybe this is more of a metaphor. Either way, let's just say this. It definitely represents this truth. God knows exactly what's going on. Nothing gets past him. He understands and sees all of life that is lived, and there will be an account given for the whole of one's life lived in rebellion against God. Absolutely, it means that. And uh, so all of these unbelievers will give account for all of their lives and all of their works where they stood in rebellion against Christ. All books were opened. It says, then another book was opened, which is the book of life. Now, the book of life, we're told in other passages of Scripture, is all about the storing up of the names of those who trust in Jesus Christ. The book of life is for those who are saved. This book is opened simply to say, your name is not here. And if your name is not in the book of life, then you will have to stand based on your works that are in these books. And that is a bad moment. Everybody say that's a terrible plan. 
Dude, you don't want to try to rest on your own works. To say, I hope I'm good enough. No, we will always come up short. We are absolutely the three-year-old wishing they were big enough to get on the Mickey ride with the hand up here and they're down here and there's no way it's gonna happen and coming up and trying to stand under the hand doesn't end up ever making us tall enough. We will always come up short and Romans chapter three says what we're measured by, by the grace and the glory of God Almighty. We sit under the glory of God measured up and we come up short, short of God's glory in a major way. All human beings needing hope. So the only hope to be had is forgiveness from Jesus Christ. Saved is saved from this moment. Saved is not having to stand before this judgment. He says, and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. The book of life having all the believers' names. By the way, none in the line will be in that book. It says, and the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. What's recorded in the books is all of the works and they're trying to stand on a good enough plan and it will be proven out that that is not in fact the case. They will be measured according to their works. Standing on their own works will never measure up. May we stand on the works of Jesus Christ. Ready? And all of God's people said, and this is our hope. When we talk about saved, this is what we're talking about. Saved from this moment. That we don't have to stand before Jesus and give account through our own works, but instead we say, Lord, I know you, I love you. My name is in your book of life. Thank you for the gift of life. That's our hope. You know, there's a story uh, of a wagon train, Old West. They were headed out west. And as they crossed the Mississippi, they were beginning to thunder across the plains. They were trying to make good time. And they were moving out very fast. They got far away from the water and they were out into the middle of the plains and moving, continuing to go west. All of a sudden they started to notice there was this smoke all across the horizon. And it was pretty deep and black. And they kept kind of riding towards it, trying to figure out what it was. And as they got closer, they noticed it was starting to get closer to them too. Like the whole plains were on fire. And they figured out it was one of these really dry summers and the plains were lit and burning fast. So they started to get worried. There was a lot of kind of freaking out going on amongst the wagon train. And one of the leaders said, time for us to get back up to this little hill right here. So they started to rise up to a little hill and he said, that's it, burn it all the way around. Just light it fast, get it burnt, and get it down. Get it up, get it burned, get it out. Right now, do it. And one of the girls said, what are you doing? We're trying to get away from the fire. And his answer was, honey, the fire will never go where the fire has already burned. That's our hope. Get into the circle after it's already burned. Please hear me. This is our hope with Jesus Christ. The fires of God's judgment have burned at the cross. May we step into that circle and count on Jesus Christ. May we long for the work that he has done on the cross. The fires of judgment have burned. And as we step inside that, we are safe and we are saved. 
and that is our only hope. It is Jesus Christ, him died, him risen. He is our hope. And all of God's people said, are you standing in that circle? Are you standing in that hope? Or are you regularly trying to live it out in whatever feels good for you? Careful, living out on the plains will bring you into the fires of judgment and there is absolutely no hope. You stand on your own works that are woefully short. Scripture, super clear, man. We stand with Jesus Christ or we don't stand at all. May we be very, very careful. And all of God's people said, and please hear me, this is probably the most sobering call that could ever be made. Don't toy. Don't toy around. This is it. I am ready to stand in the circle with Jesus. I admit I'm a sinner. I believe he is risen. And Lord, you're in charge. I confess you as in charge. Thank you for dying on the cross for me and rising again. May we stand where the fires have already burned. The wrath of God poured out on Jesus for you and for me. That's our hope. And all of God's people said, amen, man. Point number two. All unbelievers for all time will be held accountable. Unfortunately, the only hope for man is that they are saved and their names are in the book of life. All unbelievers for all time will be held accountable and ultimately, unfortunately, the only hope for man is that they are saved and their names are in the book of life. We do not stand before Jesus and say, no, I gave it a really good shot. And there's a moment where he goes, no, that, that really was a good shot. It's not that. It's 100%. My glory and my perfection is the measure and we're all short of it. We need a savior. Ultimately, our hope is in being saved in him alone. It says, and the sea gave up the dead who were in it. And again, this is a discussion there's a lot of talk on. I will say, if you look back to Revelation 17, it talks about the sea actually being a, uh, basically an illustration, a type of the masses of humanity of Gentiles the nations upon nations that come up. And it says the sea represents all of the many people from the many nations everywhere. Maybe that's what this is talking about. This is the many unbelievers, is that's what it's saying. And it could very well be it means that. Um, it says, uh, at least this is a source of where they live, the sea. It says, and death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. Death. Like that's the one thing that takes our current physical life. Is it physical death? It's the first death is what Re uh, Revelation 20 calls it. Death and Hades. So the body goes into this physical ground due to physical death. And Hades is where the souls of those who don't believe in Jesus go right now. It's a temporary holding place until this time of judgment. So right now, here today, everybody say right now. Here today, 
If anybody passes away in this time frame not believing in Jesus, soul goes to Hades, a temporary holding. Body is held here on earth because of that physical death. The two holding places of the unbeliever. Death and Hades all the way until the end of the thousand years. It says, and death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. This is all the unsaved, right? Everybody say the unsaved. So the temporary holding places of the soul and the body give up the dead. And it says, and they were judged, each one of them. This is a sobering, harsh moment. Notice it doesn't say, and they were judged, all of them at once. Not that, everybody say not that. One at a time in some way, in some fashion. Each one giving account for refusing to stand with Jesus Christ. And they were judged, each one of them, individually giving account for the fact that they do not stand with Jesus and their works are being judged. It says, according to what they had done. Why? Well, because what we believe ends up spilling out into what we do. What we believe ends up spilling out into what we say. And it's so important that we grasp this. It is absolutely wrong to say, well, I have this mental thinking in my head where I'll agree that Jesus rose from the dead, but I don't have to actually walk away from any sin. I don't have to get right on any, I don't have to listen to God on anything in any way. Man, please hear me. I want to say this as gently as I can. That's not saved. I'm saying the right words, but my actions, my body, and my soul aren't in the worship at all. Please be careful. Please don't toy around. May God hear and get all the worship. He's like, listen, their faith is going to actually be revealed. The works are going to be looked at, and they will be running after self in every part of it. And uh, it's a huge moment. They were judged, each one of them, according to what they have done. Their absence of faith will be revealed in their selfishness and their sinfulness. It says, then death and Hades, the temporary places, were thrown into the lake of fire, the permanent place. The lake of fire is hell. The lake of fire is where we already see the beast and the false prophet and Satan. They're already there. Now the temporary holding places are thrown there. Everything that is against Jesus Christ is headed for the lake of fire and an eternity there. It says the death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire and all the unsaved then as well. It says this is the second death. So let's just be really clear. So the first death is our physical body failing. That's the first death. The second death is when our soul is resolved for eternity to be separated away from Christ in hell. And it actually said in Revelation 20, in the first few verses we looked at last week, it said, for those who are saved, they won't taste of the second death. There is absolute hope. If we trust in Jesus Christ, we will not taste of the second death. Ready? And all of God's people said, man, this is our hope. This is saved. Saved from what? Not saved from some annoying thing that happens tomorrow and blah, 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 blah. No. Saved from eternity. Saved from a judgment we can't stand under. Saved. 
Jesus Christ is our hope. We will not taste of the second death. But for those who choose to not trust in Jesus, absolutely tasting and living the second death forever. It says, and if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown in the lake of fire. Please notice, and if anyone's name was not found in the book of life. Notice that the books that contain his works are walked through, but it's nothing that a, but a proof that your name not in the book of life is an accurate recording. You're not standing with Jesus Christ. Please hear me. We are not saved by works. Everybody say, not that. We are saved by faith. We trust in Jesus Christ. It is him alone that is our hope. As we believe he is risen and we say, okay, Lord, you're in charge. It starts rocking our world. It starts moving us along a path. The works are a proof that we already believe. The works are a proof that faith is there. The works are nothing other than a statement, I'm with Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. That's works. They are thank you offerings to Jesus Christ. We are not saved by our works. And for those who choose to walk away from Jesus, they will have to stand on their works and they will come up woefully short. A proof that their name is not in the book of life. The unsaved standing on their own. Man, I'm telling you, this is the most sobering passage there is. And um, this calls to attention that we absolutely 100% need to be saved. Do you know Jesus Christ as your savior? Are you ready to lean on him? It is his death on the cross and his resurrection. It is his glory and perfection. I'm just telling you, some of these songs we're singing right now, where we start singing about the glory that is coming, I can't even imagine how we are gonna drop to our faces in unbelievable celebration. This is how great you are, God. We barely get it. We talk as if we try to understand, right? We're sort of trying to get the greatness, but I'm telling you, when we get home to glory, when we see him as he is, smile on our face, beaming with all we've got, drop to our knees, I am stunned with who you are. May God get all the glory. And all of God's people said, don't miss it, man. This is our hope. Perfection in Jesus Christ. This is our hope upon him. This is our hope, him for me. May God get all the glory. Man, as we look at this passage, we have to make sure that this becomes sobering. It alerts us and awakens us. And it turns us right back to Jesus Christ with the biggest worship we could have ever had. He is rightly asking, he is rightly judging. Don't miss it, the throne is great and the throne is white. There is not an error. Absolute holiness and absolute righteousness and perfection. Lord God, we stand before you humbled. You are taking this broken world and you are taking my broken sin 
and you are walking me home to glory, not because of who I am, but because of who you are upon him. That's where our hope is. May Jesus get all the glory. Ready? And all of God's people said, and just say it loud, say it big with me, upon him. Ready? Upon him. My sin on him. It is completely unfair, but it is massive mercy. Your God loves you with all he's got, and he's laying it on the line. Worship your king with all you have. As we go into this last song, man, please hear me. With all you've got, imagine we are at home in heaven. We are seeing the glory of God, and we are crying out with all we have. My only hope was you, Lord. You are my king. I worship and praise you with all I have. May Jesus get our worship. Jesus gets our worship. Who is our king of kings? Amen. Let me pray.